This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com this is a story that should have been different a tale of happiness earned through commitment instead we have quiet bittersweet feelings a nation and town with a desire for healing our long hard season decided inside concluded in a way where emotions collide It's been tough, no doubt, for it to depart. It's without proper ending that we'll go from the start. August, the new batch got off to a flyer. Scunthorpe, Carlisle, defeated with fire. Into September and the wheels were in motion. Orient crushed as crowds whispered, promotion. A team playing with equal beauty and beast. With Doyle scoring weekly, the points didn't cease. Into winter, momentum continued to grow. Belief increased, confidence started to show. Mansfield, Salford, Artelli racing to 50. Oldham, Grimsby, Wellensville dealt with them swiftly. New Year's Day, a player's future shrouded in doubt. If Plymouth was his last, with a bang he went out. Back to Yorkshire he went, against his own will. They questioned with him gone, would we live up to the bill? The goal getting ginger Brazilian. A season well and truly won in a million. With him back at Bradford, we relied on a talented bunch. As they came good, the title became more than a hunch. With Anton, the mantle fell to Rob Hunt and Rose. The fighting nature of this squad in adversity shows. In need of new heroes, Hallam brought hope, still looking down the table to avoid the slippery slope. January challenges faced met with devotion, belief. Doyle and Yates are back in the building. Relief. February unbeaten, the end's in sight. March we continue to build on the hype. Now here the story ends with the infamous pause. No games, no fans, it's silence the roars. No way of playing to finish the season. The hard work desire, was it all for no reason? Hours training, money spent following your team, was it all just in vain? That's how it may seem. No, through strange mathematics our goal is achieved. We showed heart and fight, we always believe. But don't forget you got us here too. The fans, your support, it wouldn't have felt right without you. We yearn one day for the return of together. Packed football grounds, whatever the weather.
Through all this talk of division or league, we want the people back, that much is agreed. So in isolation, with heartache, our victory secured. We can't wait to see you when this virus is cured. to the Low Strangers podcast, your perfect solution to the stress and the strain. You can stick a banging asterisk on it because Swindon Town are the 2019-2020 League 2 champions after the EFL ratified the conclusion of the season on unweighted points per game. More on that a bit later, but I'm joined by Ben Wills. Hello, Ben. Hello, Rich. And Connor Garrett. Hello, Connor. This is beginning to feel like a regular occurrence, but yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, tis the season. Guys, I have a confession to make. It feels like so long ago since Swindon played. I feel like I barely remember a thing. But Ben, I guess this is my fault for leaving it so late. Perhaps, yeah, we could have done this uh, a few weeks ago. But to be honest, I'm glad it's given me time to do some preparation. Whether I've actually done some preparation, I can possibly comment. But uh, yeah, we'll see how much I remember of a, a nice 2019-20 season as this podcast goes along, I'm sure. Before we get started, a big thanks to Swindon Town for permission to use the poem at the start of the pod. Great visual and audio work by Dan Brown, Tom Hassan and Ben Hook. Lovely stuff. OK, so for this episode, we're going to go in pretty much chronological order so we'll save the celebrations and the the discussion on the joys of winning the trophy nearer to the end of the podcast because we're going to start in pre-season this episode is being released on the one year anniversary of Swindon Town's first pre-season friendly of 2019 can you believe that a 6-0 win over Brimscombe and Thrupp. The diehards saw town record comfortable wins during the summer at Supermarine, Salisbury, Hungerford and Melksham, while the die-harders witnessed a 1-0 win against Everton under-23s in Spain. Luckily, our friendly losses against Birmingham City, which included Jude Bellingham's 30-minute dismantling of town and Bristol City, were played behind closed doors. Our two home games were a 1-1 draw against Manchester United under-23s and a loss against Coventry City. In the transfer market, a lot of things happened. There was an exodus of sorts. Out went Lawrence Vigarou, Matt Taylor, Martin Smith, Chris Robertson, Ollie Lancashire, Mark Richards, Jack McCourt, James Dunn, Sol Price, Jordan Young. In came Zeki Friars, Matthew Baldry, Rob Hunt, Jerry Yates, Dan Ballard, Adam May, Delang, Jayasimi and Sidi Sunoko before the season was to start. Connor, what were your feelings or what do you remember your feelings being at the dawn of the new season? Were you were you optimistic? Were you cautious? Or, or well, what, what were you thinking? Um, I would say I was cautiously optimistic. Uh, so to combine both of the words that you were offered as uh, potential options for me there, I, I was very much looking forward to the season. I thought we have got a better, we had got a better playing squad than in the previous two seasons. Um, and to be fair, in both of the seasons before, I had thought that we should be up there at the end of the season. So it probably wasn't anywhere anything uh, out of the ordinary for me to expect someone to do well. But I was, I think. 
it's hard to say now because I'm not going to, if I was uh, thinking we're going to get relegated, I'm not going to tell on myself now. But um, I'm, I'm fairly sure that I did say that outside shot of the title, probably automatics. Um, and uh, definitely going into when the actual games were played at the start of the season, um, I was definitely thinking, yeah, we're going to we're going to have a very good crack at this. Ben, we went into the season and the full jigsaw clearly wasn't completed. And when I spoke to Richie Wellens before the first game of the season against Scunthorpe, I did detect there was a lot of confidence, but also some caution as well, given the fact that he hadn't been able to bring in everybody that he wanted at that time. Yeah, I think there was um, some work that they needed doing going into the season. I think there was a lot of optimism, some of what jokey, but I think if you look through the replies to the you know, the opening tuna win at Scunthorpe, you'll see a lot of um, people saying, you know, we're going to we're gonna piss the league and we're going to win, <laughs> win the league uh, counter. So there, were, there was that early season optimism uh, at the beginning, but you're right in saying there was a bit of caution, there was a bit of trepidation given that the squad wasn't quite full yet and the likes of Anthony Grant hadn't signed yet and, and most importantly, Owen Doyle hadn't arrived yet and we, we ran into the season with our only strikers being uh, Jerry Yates and Scott Twy, and there was a bit of nervousness surrounding uh, Jerry Yates and although although people don't try to read too much into pre-season, I do recall he didn't have a great game in the Coventry pre-season that I attended and there was a lot of nervousness then that is this going to be our main hope for goals uh, going into the opening um, you know, couple of weeks of the campaign but fortunately he scored you know, on the midday against Scunthorpe and in the and in the first home game against Carlisle. So Jerry Ace did well to settle nerves there. But there was a so yes, there was a bit of nervousness going to it. But genuinely, uh, jokey or not, I think there was quite a lot of uh, positivity as well. And and spoiler alert for Connor and the listeners later, I said going into the season we finished third. So I think there was some genuine optimism that this could be um, third time lucky in terms of Swindon going up from League Two back into League One. Connor, it seems almost daft now talking about this almost a year on, that I was really... I, I, I honestly didn't think there were many tougher first games than Scunthorpe away at the, at, at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, in terms of where they were coming down from, I think you always expect the League One relegated teams to do reasonably well the next season in League Two, just because there is that uh, dip in quality um, from League Two to League One level. Um, and um, obviously they have a good playing squad um, and um, they had a good management team there as well. So I don't think anyone was expecting them to start the season as badly as they did. Um, I'd like to think that they would have started really well, but they played Swindon and we just completely spun them out of control. Um, That's probably not what it is. But I mean, if if you look at the highlights of that game, um, they definitely gave uh, us a good game, even though it was a 2-0 win. Um, It wasn't a simple one um, from at least the highlights that we can see. So um, it's one of those ones that, yeah, definitely I, I'm with you. Like I was worried about it, but again, um, you have to play those games at some point. You might as well get it out of the way on day one. Ben, I have allocated you with the month of August. For now, we're going to concentrate on just the league games. Spoiler alert, if we're giving out spoilers, our cup games are mostly awful. But we'll, we'll, we'll cover that maybe a little later on. So, as we've already discussed, game one against Scunthorpe, away, perfect opening day, clean sheet, counter-attacks and t-shirts on. Just the perfect start to a season. Yeah, I think I think as Connor touched upon, a recently relegated League One side always the, the sort of side you don't want to have in the first couple of weeks of the season, given that 
you know, you expect them to be out there again, and Richie Wellens has said as much both at the time and since the season is, is finished. And it was it, it was a perfect start. As, as Connor said, they gave us a pretty good game. But I think what was really exciting about that opening day was that both of the goals were, you know, superb counter-attacking moves. And, and Lloyd Isgrove's run that set up one of the goals as one, one of my favourites of the season because that's the full the full Wellens. Actually, we didn't see we didn't see as much as I might have thought we were you know, we, we did score a lot of goals in the counter-attack, but not many of them were with such um, speed and, you know, electric um, speed like they were at Scumthorpe. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a good start and, and it feels like a long time ago now that Scumthorpe were, you know, considered one of the pre-season teams that would be up there, but they were clearly in a bit of turmoil from relegation and, and we seized upon that and, and Paul Hurst didn't last very long there. So, so yeah, August was very difficult on paper and I know I remember doing podcasts and we were sort of talking about the uh, the early season um, uh, optimism and then we, we always couldn't say oh it's gone for we're going to beat it's 2-0 now and, and then hit our morale through the floor but quite the opposite Swindon won 2-0 and, and, and morale was uh, was through the roof after that opening game. Yeah and the first game at the county ground in the league was the visit of Carlisle United I remember um, the first half being sort of particularly frustrating and then it just went alive came alive in in the second where Jerry Yates scored Zeki Fryers scored his only goal of the season and then Kane Woolery late on although it was 3-2 I think that 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 flattered Carlisle in a sense but it did also show our weaknesses didn't it yeah, you're right in saying it flattered Carlisle. Swindon was certainly better than the 3-2 scoreline um, reflected. You know, sad that Carlisle got like a late consolation goal in that one. But, you know, I, I think I think even though Swindon were pretty good and, and comfortable for most of that game, it's still, you know, nervy when Carlisle take the, the early second half lead. But thankfully, Jerry Eight scores, you know, one of the goal of the season contenders when he, you know, sort of slides it in from a yard out four minutes later to, to settle nerves and get people... Um, you know, happy again after the first home game, which is always a, a bit dangerous when optimism is so high that you know, as, as soon as the first home game, you know, is a defeat, people can be sad. So, so good thing that Swindon recovered um, well enough to you know go through one up and and should have really seen that out. But sadly, Carl, I did that get, did get that consolation goal. But but you're right in saying that three two flattered the visitors. Yeah, Jordan Lydon still hasn't got over the fact that he didn't get the assist for Jerry Yates's scrambled goal, and I think that game will also be remembered for Mr. Carroll's cameo upon his return to the club he was uh, brought on and swiftly sent off and it's at this point Owen Doyle signs on loan from Bradford and what follows are drop points <laughs> um, away at Exeter City 1-1 away at Exeter will take all day long Doyle obviously scoring on his debut and then the game that I won't stop talking about until this episode of The Low Strangers, where I'm going to finally put it to bed. The travesty that was the 1-0 loss at home to Northampton Town. Yeah, you're right in saying drop points, but of course it does come tongue-in-cheek, given that a point extra is is always one you'd, you'd happily take if you if you mark things on calendars. You'd definitely say, yeah, St. James's Park will, will take a point there, and, and 7 out of 9 was pretty good going, and a, a debut goal of of course, for Doyle, who who popped up late on to get a leveller. So that went well, but sadly, yeah, Northampton, a uh, bit of a, I wouldn't say a massive bump uh, back down to earth, given that the given that the goal was offside, and as, as you've mentioned once or twice on this podcast, but certainly um, Swindon did recover just about going into September, but Connor will, Connor will cover that. But yeah, I think August was started off brilliantly, tailed off towards the end, but uh, generally, if you look at points per 
result, I think it's a pretty decent month overall. Yeah, given the fact that Swindon's record at the next opponents, Cheltenham, especially at Warden Road, is so poor, perhaps a 2-2 draw was an indication that we were onto good things. Of course, it of course it means absolutely nothing, but you know. It... Yeah, again, it's a, a frustrating one given that um, we took the lead twice and probably should have seen that out. And Delty got a red card as well, but but again. Like Exeter, Wadden Road is one of those grounds that we're not particularly good at. And again, if you circle it on a calendar, you think yeah, a, a point will be good there. A sad point, like I said, given we took the lead twice, but again, one will take. And then we finished it off uh, with a nice home win over Morecambe to, to really get back on track. So, so yeah, like I said, the, the points tally from those games is is pretty um, is pretty decent, uh, to be fair. And the only sad one is Northampton, but you can't uh, you can't go a whole season unbeaten normally. So, um, so yeah, I think I think August was the very very successful month overall. Yeah, can you believe that at one stage we conceded an equaliser against Morecambe? That was a dominant performance. Yeah, again, it's similar to to Carlisle, but maybe maybe we needed those goals, um, like going behind against Carlisle and and uh, you know uh, going level against Morecambe to to find out a bit to make sure they did see the game out. But again, three one was was kind for Morecambe, and there was never really a scare that Swindon would drop points there. I mean, they conceded in the 13th minute and then went 2-1 up in the 17th and 3-1 in the 21st. So, although, you know, it's, it's never nice to to um, to be level after being ahead, uh, Swindon scored twice pretty pretty um, quickly to, to relax all nerves and it was another comfortable home win for that one. Swindon ended August in fifth place on 11 points. The early pace setters were Exeter City on 14. That brings us to September then and Connor comes in with great way to start the month with the signings of Stephen Bender and Anthony Grant. Two huge signings they turned out to be. Yeah, I mean, at the time, um, I'm I'm going to mention this on every podcast I ever turn up um, <laughs> on the Love Changes podcast and Anthony Grant comes up. But at the time, um, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with those signings. Um, obviously, um, in hindsight, they were probably the two signings that kind of took us from... Uh, a promising start to the season and then got us over the line to like that, um, that really, really positive ending to the season. Um, I mean, I guess actually if you look at like the August results, roughly that was our points per game for the whole season. It was roughly around that. Um, so given that we won the season on points per game, we, we might have done well with just the August results. But um, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, Stephen Bender, I think um, he was a class apart once he'd sort of worked his way into the team and uh, Anthony Grant, I mean, after that first initial performance when he came on um, at Orient, um, just completely set himself apart. And then obviously he still needs to build up the fitness throughout September. But I think straight away he was uh, definitely a a player in the fans' good books, uh, so to speak. So um, it was definitely, um, I wouldn't say a turning point because I think we're heading in the right direction, but it was like a, a turbo boost for the rest of the season. Our first game in September was away at Leighton Orient, which had a lot riding on it. You know, Leighton Orient had plenty of emotions going through, having just returned to the Football League. And of course, they'd lost their manager, Justin Edinburgh, in such tragic circumstances. And of course, there's the Swindon links at Brisbane Road, Martin Ling, Ross Embleton as well. It was a game where... It's one of the early defining moments of the season for Swindon because of the performance. And it's not one we really give enough credit on this podcast because we weren't there. But everybody who was there that day, that was when I think a lot of people, even though we're still talking early September here, that's when fans began to maybe listen 
a little bit more to what Richie Wellens was saying because what he was saying was being proven on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, the, the atmosphere in the away end that day was fantastic uh, from start to finish. It was probably my favourite away day of the season, just in terms of just from start to finish that day was absolutely fantastic. And uh, the performance on the pitch, especially in the first half, really did match it. And uh, you could just see that everything was sort of coming together. And uh, while in the last couple of seasons, when I've been to an away game, even if it's against a team that we should reasonably match up fairly well against, um, we maybe have not look like we're that confident. Um, I mean, I think generally we've had a pretty decent away record, but sometimes that there's the start of the game, you kind of feel like we have to uh, weather a storm. And that didn't really happen at or in a way. I think we were the better team, at least from the start until sort of pretty much the end of the game, at which point Orient came on, obviously had uh, a game to kind try and get back into. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one of those ones, you're in the su- pretty much late summer sun, even though it's September, but we'll say late summer. It felt like it was still summer. Um, and uh, yeah, just the summer shining on Swindon. Uh, three really nice goals. I'm still not convinced that uh, <laughs> that uh, Rob Hunt one wasn't Rob Hunt. Um, he, he, he definitely deserves to be given it. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, you've got a nice one from range from uh, Keshi Anderson as well. Um, and uh, probably my favourite of the three is, is that Jerry Yates one, just for obviously the way that Doyle celebrated it when it went in and just that build-up play as well, the run just down the middle from um, Lloyd Isgrove. Oh, you can watch it so many times. And, and that was just, oh, I, w- I would do that day all over again. Lovely. And something that was often talked about was, especially given the last couple of seasons maybe, is that, you know, those dedicated away fans were often treated to some of our best performances. And it was really, really good that Swindon followed that magnificent performance at Leighton Orient with a very dominant win over Macclesfield Town at the county ground, which was a bizarre atmosphere because it was almost like a party atmosphere. It felt like the last game of the season once we were already up. That was how I imagine our May game would have gone or late April game would have gone had had we played it. It was just so odd and when Lloyd Isgrove got substituted and he, he, he does a lap or, you know, fifty percent of the ground and, you know, everybody's just celebrating and it just was a really odd but lovely feeling. Yeah, I know what you mean it was almost like a coronation, uh, that walk is uh obviously um everyone was uh very, very happy with his performance. And not just in that game, but up until that point, he'd been really, him and Lydon, I guess, were like the two players that really stood out. Lydon had obviously gone off injured the week before. So he, Isgrove was very much the focus of uh, all of the attention, all of the chance. Um, and again, it was just like another one of those sunny days in kind of late summer, again, even though it's September, um, where it kind of felt, again, like, yeah, like I said, I'm going to repeat what I said about Leighton Orient. The sun was shining on Swindon for another day. Uh, and uh, yeah I mean three goals at home Um, I mean I was looking at the fixtures that I've been to um, at home in League 2 since we were relegated a few seasons ago and there there are not many wins uh, until this season I think there might have been one or two Um, so the fact that we had so many home wins even from early on um, was was a really good thing and uh, I know that we didn't really expect much of Macclesfield but at that point I think they were doing pretty well they were kind of in the playoff um, mixture. Obviously, I don't think people expected that to continue because of the mess that was going on off the pitch. But um, 
their team was that there were no mugs. They 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 were a pretty decent team. So um, to kind of have a bit of a, a victory parade in September um, was pretty special. I think. Yeah, don't tell the Bristol City fans. Um, so <laughs> when when we go to the next game where we're thoroughly tonked at home three nil to Colchester. I remember thinking it's because we were too cocky. You know, we we just, it's gone to our heads. We think we're going to walk it or whatever. And it was an almighty crash down to earth. What was it about the Colchester loss? And we can also include the, the loss a couple of games later against Newport. Was it okay? Is this, is this tactical anti-football or were they just doing the basics right? What, what happened there? Well, three things. So the first thing is to extend the weather kind of uh, metaphor a little bit further. I don't know if it's a metaphor, but I can't think of the right word. But um, on that evening, it was so cold in the county ground. It was freezing. Um, I remember it was like September. So obviously you don't go in like a heavy jacket. I think I just went in like a light jacket. And uh, yeah, on the drive back to Southampton, we were just absolutely freezing. So um, that didn't help. Because once the sun wasn't shining on Swindon, then how are we going to get the points on the pitch? Um, so obviously not not great help. The second thing I think was I don't even know if it's really the way that Colchester played. Um, obviously they played well, so if you play against a team that are playing well, and again they were a good team, um, we didn't maybe appreciate it quite at that point of the season because they weren't in the playoff picture because of how they started the season. But obviously they went on to be in the playoff picture for pretty much the whole season. Um, it was it was maybe a little bit of a surprise. But they they did play well, but the points that I'd make from a Swindon side of thing is that obviously one thing that we discussed a lot um, in August and early September is the fact that we were playing this four four two with Yates and Doyle up front together. Um, and I think in this game it really showed its its shortcomings because we were expected to have most of the ball. Um, Colchester let us have the ball, but then we didn't have that extra man in the field um, to kind of play around and create chances and overloads um, and find the space that we might necessarily have needed. So um, it was it was definitely a difficult game. I think as well, obviously at that point, Doughty I don't think had kind of like quite made his way back into the team. Um, so it was it was just maybe the midfield was a little bit weaker um, than throughout the rest of the season. Um, and that really didn't allow us to get a foothold in the game. And then probably the third thing, um, and this one applies as well to the Newport game, um, is that one of our key defenders got injured. So in the Colchester game, Baudry went off, uh, went off um, after, I think he was in the first half. Um, and then Broadbent came on, um, not quite as warm and uh, didn't have his best game in the town shirt. I think, obviously, um, in his interview uh, with you, I guess he, he said that he didn't have much of a pre-season. So that's probably uh, the reason for it. Um, he, he sort of did look a little bit sort of rusty. Um, so that, that didn't help as well in that game. And then you look at the Newport game, um, which was, I think, nil-nil at the point that Conroy went off injured. And that definitely seemed to sort of shake the team as well. So um, I think there are definitely parallels between the two games. The Colchester one was the one I was a little bit more concerned about. Um, whereas Newport, again, I think we were looking at that Newport game and they were up there really early on. They'd been a good team the season before, um, had had a really good chance to go up um, last season and obviously the cup runs. Um, and plus just 
I, I think they are so much more in that in that style of play that we can't play than Colchester. Who obviously Colchester, I think they do like to mix it a little bit, but Newport, um, yeah, they do have a, a very difficult um, way uh, style of play to play against um, if you're a team that maybe doesn't mix it quite as much. So um, there was there's definitely a lot of uh, factors that went into it, but I, I think um, yeah, the Colchester result, although it was actually worse, kind of like. Well, I guess it was kind of a little bit more worrying than Newport, which I kind of, I guess, half expected. Yeah, and in the middle of that was a win at Cambridge United, Colin Calderwood's Cambridge United at the time. It, it was Jerry Yates who got the winner, but this was this was a big game for Ellis Iandolo because, you know, he got the assist, but he was really beginning to merge as an adequate replacement for, for a, a town defence that were dropping like flies at the time. Yeah, I mean, he'd had a few good games before that. I remember um, at Orient, he was definitely um, a, a very, very good uh, performer there. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I mean, to be fair, that that Colchester game as well, he was definitely one of the better performers in a town shirt from my perspective. I remember messaging you at the time saying he's probably the player of Swindon's 11 on the pitch that has been most impressive. Um, and then obviously that Cambridge United, uh, the, the assist there, that was his moment of the season. So, um, yeah, he... he, he uh, had kind of worked his way into the team and uh, and did really well in that moment. So as we mentioned there, the, the month ended with a 2-0 loss at home to Newport County. But the biggest news from that game was, of course, Dion Conroy uh, got injured and didn't play again that season or for the remainder of the season. Despite those two losses, though, Town was still in fifth on 20 points and only two points away from top spot. <laughs> Exeter City, which brings us to October. Hi, this is Jan Fjortoft, and welcome, and I'm on Loath Strangers. It's so hard for Norwegian. Love Strangers. It'll go down in history as a grim month, so I'm bringing Ben in for this one. Hello, Ben, again. <laughs> um, Hello. During the, during, <laughs> during the month, Gabriel Zakuani came in, Dion Donoghue came in as well. But it was a really shaky start to October with uh, a way loss to Bradford City. And, you know, most of the stick directed towards us was because Owen Doyle wasn't playing, even though he hadn't started his run yet. A 1-1 draw against Plymouth, which, you know, I think will go down as a good result, simply because people assumed that we would get tonked after the cup loss that happened days before and that's the beginning of Stephen Bender in goal as well and then you know Swindon's social media have been saying this was the one game that we were truly outclassed and that's the 3-1 loss at Crewe I think there's possibly an argument that that some of the losses we've already mentioned might you know go down as where we were thoroughly well beaten but yeah if there's one moment of the season where which didn't go well it was October but it wasn't something that was causing too much alarm, and this isn't, this isn't being revisionist in terms of in terms of history. If, if you go back our old podcast, I don't think there was too much clamour from the likes of us saying that Richie Wellens is a uh, is uh, you know should be sacked or, or anything like that. But there was certainly a few nervous moments. But I think the main narrative coming out of October was that Swindon weren't beating the big teams. Like Bradford were kicking around the playoffs and one of the preseason favourites. Plymouth were kicking around the, the promotion spots, and obviously, obviously went up as, as second play uh, as, as automatic, and Crew as well again started off well and also went up. So I don't think there was too much to read into 
us going, you know, four games uh, without a win, but three of them were against, you know, real top sides and Spinning did need to figure out how to beat those top sides, but there wasn't too much to read into it in terms of in terms of who the results were coming against. If they were coming against the, the team's bottom of the table would have been a lot more alarming than it actually was. But certainly if you were gonna say Swindon had a bad month during twenty nineteen twenty, then October does stand out. But I don't think there's anything that caused real concern apart from a few, you know, social media uh, hyperbole hyperbole and uh, and people trying not to be too bad on the podcast. Why do you think we did struggle early on against the the favourites, so to speak, teams like Bradford, Plymouth and Crewe? I don't think there's one thing you can really pinpoint. I, th- I think, as you said, we were without Doyle for Bradford, but we are not, we're not a one-man team, as, as we said throughout the season, but losing a, a key player is never going to help you in terms of that. And Plymouth, again, uh, Swindon played quite well from the draws, probably about fair and, and Swindon probably deserved a bit more if anything so I don't think they did well in that one but we're un- unfortunate to only get a draw and, and like I said again Crew is the only one I didn't see it for minute one to 90 but Crew is the only one from, from people that were that watched it and people that were there that uh, that they, they bought us from, from start to finish and that was because again they were, they were a good side so I don't think there was one specific thing that any team in the league would struggle to play you know a free game spell that included Bradford Plymouth and Crew. How important in the grand scheme of things, was Owen Doyle's winning goal in the next game against Stevenage in injury time? Well, it provided one of the moments of the season, but again, I think it's mostly remembered for Richie Wellington's press conference where he laid into most of the most of the fans. And but that was a that was a turning point. I think, although I mentioned earlier that you know um, that those those three um, bad results in October were against a good size. Stevenage were rock bottom at the time and, and finished rock bottom during the season, only winning three games all season, and we needed a 90, 90th minute winner. So although Swindon played well, it was still you know uh, not a Tuesday night that people look back on with a lot of pride but still was a good moment because 90 minute winners were always fun but definitely more remembered for Richie Wellens's press conference in the and the you know the bite that followed the hunt on social media afterwards but definitely um a big win and I think Richie Wellens is, is, is um is used as one of his moments of the season in terms of a turning point after a couple of bad weeks but a good win against a, a team that was struggling and and late on to give a real morale boost my memory of Wellens's criticism of the fans, though, was generally supportive from fans, wasn't it? Yeah, I think obviously that the way the comments were made in terms of you know Richie Wellens wants players, uh, sorry, fans to get behind the team a bit more. That's obviously going to bring out a few moments, but generally I agreed with it, and, and you did as well. And I think I think many did. It's probably about seventy thirty in, in Richie Wellens' favour, but I think any time a manager comes out and says something not one hundred percent, you know, on the record for. For fans, there's all going to be some bit of backlash, but there was definitely a larger section than not that agree with him. So um, that worked in his favour. But I think the I think the main thing that that people like about Richard Williams is that he speaks his mind and and wears his heart on his sleeve. So that that did him his favours, and, and not not many managers can get away with publicly um, voicing their displeasure at the fans. So I think that probably shows a lot about how well Richard Williams is liked around here. My opinion as a, as a lower league football fan is not to judge a manager on three years or five years it's to judge them by seasons and I, I don't I don't deny that I had taking a sip of the the Kool-Aid so to speak when it comes to going all in on Richie Wellens I, I 
I saw it, I believed in it, I listened to him in pre-season. So, you know, we could have been in a far worse situation like Di Canio was um, when we started the League Two campaign under him. And I think I was prepared to just listen and just do as he says. Um, If he says make more noise, be more positive, I I would have been absolutely on board with that. But, you know, it it is quite a risk really with fans, isn't it? Yeah, it can always backfire, but I think it's good that he did it after a 1-0 win. If that had finished 0-0 and he had the same message of, of, you know, the fans aren't getting behind us, I think a lot of people would have turned around and said, well, if you were getting the results, then we get behind you. But again, I think Owens are popping up in the last couple of minutes, uh, did him a lot of favours there. And and thankfully uh, for the team as a whole, it really kick-started a a really good uh, patch of form that Connor will mainly speak about, but I get (laughs) the beginning and, uh, and the end. Yes, you do. And, you know, it's easy to forget that we only took one point from Crawley the year before. And that was away, luckily. We lost at home, um, as we mentioned in a previous episode. And then 4-0. Yeah, I think we've called that performance of the season. I think I, I think, uh, I think it's definitely in people's top three, if, if not top one. And, and, and yeah, you can, can always enjoy a 4-0 away win with one of the goals, especially coming from pretty much the entire team touching the ball and, and playing passes and, and setting it up. And even Anthony Grant got an assist, as he spoke about, with much uh, joy on the recent Supporters Club um, live video. So, so yeah, one of the performances, if not the performance of the season, and one that's very enjoyable for every for every fan that was there and certainly a highlight. And sadly, neither of us were there. But uh, for those that were, it's definitely one of the highlights of the season. Yeah, I think the only reason why I wouldn't be up there with my favourite days of the season was because it absolutely bucketed it down all day. <laughs> so uh, I was absolutely soaking. Um, but yeah, it was an absolutely great performance and definitely, uh, like you say, up there. It pro- probably was, I mean, in terms of uh, result, it was probably our best result in, ter- in terms of the scoreline anyway. So um, yeah, you can't complain with a 4 0 win away, can you? Two was a terrible commentary line. It was raining and it was raining goals as well. God. <laughs> God. Cannot believe you got a laugh for that. <laughs> it was I mean it was quite forced you can hear that can't you? <laughs> well Swindon ended October still in fifth there's activity below and above but somehow Swindon stay in fifth during all this time on 27 points only three points adrift from top spot which is now belonged to crew and as Ben has already indicated November is a very very good month for Swindon firstly because we won the three league games that we played but secondly it was the return of the king yeah I mean it was it was a a great 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 month in terms of if you win all of your league games and you're not going to be you're not going to be sad at the end of it um obviously um the I think the game against Walsall I think kind of came into like a is a little bit of a weird one just in terms of like the downpour that it was under so I said about Crawley being wet but uh, that one was uh, torrential um and it kind of did affect the game in terms of uh, the way the ball held up yeah um and just sort of the way the, the I guess the lack of football that could be played. And to be fair, that kind of became a theme of the season. It was like the elements not allowing Swindon to play the way that we maybe uh, are set up to play Um, and having to find a solution and kind of bodge your way to a win. Um, And uh, yeah, that that kind of team spirit. um, I think if you're not already on like a a decent run, that's not the kind of game that you would win. Um, uh, There was obviously that very, very uh, close scrape at the end where debatably Stephen Bender, debatably Rob Hunt cleared it off the line. Um, 
then uh, you have probably, again, one of the other really good days of the season away at Salford, um, which, again, it's kind of like that that Carlisle one uh, where 3-2 really flat Salford, um, got a really early penalty that was kind of soft, um, which they scored. But then from then on, it was just completely Swindon. Um, and then they scored a penalty the last game, which was even softer, uh, should never have been given. But who cares? Uh, <laughs> because ultimately we uh, we did win. Um and uh, yeah, that, that Mansfield game um, was not one that I was at actually, but um, I was listening on the radio um, and uh, that was, was tense, uh, obviously just in, in terms of the, the fact that we were defending a lead for so long. Um, and uh, that was one where Broadbent was brought on to sort of do a defensive job and shore it up. And uh, he did that really, really well. So um, it, it was the start of that part of the season where I think that we had a number of games where someone stood out and I think um, he can definitely take a, a big, big, part in the fact that we managed to get three points rather than one or zero um, in that game. I remember the Walsall game more than anything because coming back from London where we were seeing friends, our car broke down on the motorway and um, I got absolutely drenched and I was supposed to get into Swindon a couple of hours you know, I was supposed to get into Swindon too early and ended up getting in about half hour before kickoff and throughout the whole game my head was gone. I could not focus on the game whatsoever in what should have been really tense. Um, I actually watched the second half with Matthew Kilford, who does the uh, the theme to the Low Strangers podcast, but my head was gone completely. And it, what was with the weather during this season, Connor? It's global warming. Um, we're in a climate crisis, Rich. There's nothing that we can, well, there's nothing we can do about it now. It's uh, the, the world's ending. So unfortunately, that doesn't bode well for next season. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe we'll have to change the way we want to play football because um, you're going to have to do it in a blizzard and a drought or something. But um, yeah, definitely doesn't help. Um, and uh, we should all be recycling more. The weather was just horrific and it never seemed to get better until the lockdown started. So three wins from that. It was becoming... A very nice feeling where, you know, if you weren't at the game and your phone vibrated for an update, it was beginning to be like, well, this can't be another goal, can it? And it would just say goal, Doyle, whoever would score. And it was just like, this is insane. Before we move on to December, though, I did mention the return of the King. And it came in really weird circumstances because Dion Donoghue had put in a quite a decent shift in October but then because of what he did at Mansfield to get sacked, you know, clearly was rearing its head again. In came Paul Caddis and then suddenly poor old Dion Donoghue's importance. And he was very, very, you know, well liked at Swindon. It's believed that he was at the county ground for the trophy presentation. And, you know, he was a shoe in for a new deal if, if, if it wasn't for the, 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 the behind the scenes stuff. But when you've got Paul Caddis coming back, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, if you look at I, the reason I ignored that reference was just because I completely forgot that that was the point that Caddis came back. It kind of feels like he's always been there, but yeah, I remember the, uh, the Salford game. I think it was a, a couple of, it might have been the night before is when the, the contract was officially announced. Was, I think it was the Friday night because I think I was, I remember being in a restaurant um, in Southampton, um, sort of getting ready to, to go away. And I, just, I didn't, didn't want to get um, any food in. that I'd then have leftovers that I'd have to throw away for, for being away for the weekend. So I um, just went out to get something. Um, and um, I had to pay someone uh, for um, 
the food that I'd had there because they paid for everything and we split it. Um, and I accidentally put a, couple, a zero on the end of the amount because I'd seen that Paul Gaddison signed again. And I just, like, in an emotional frenzy, put, like, an £150 rather than Jesus. £15. Uh, managed to get that back, thankfully. So that would, that would have been an expensive mistake. But, um, yeah, uh, and then the, the train up the next day, I was just buzzing the whole way. So usually if you're on, like, a five, six-hour train journey up north, you kind of don't want to use your phone the whole way because you're not going to have any juice left once you get up there. But... I was just buzzing. I was looking at 2012 League Two highlights and stuff like that. Um, and uh, the fact he managed to get on the pitch at the end, oh, it was just great stuff. It was like a goosebumps kind of thing. He obviously didn't do anything in the actual game because he had a minute or two. But um, just that that was a great moment. That's one that will definitely uh, live long in the memory for me. Hello, I'm Paul Carris, and you're listening to the Loathed Strangers podcast. Proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Okay, so at the end of November, Swindon were top of League Two on 36 points. Forest Green Rovers were not going away. They were two points behind, but it was a very good time and it rolled into December nicely with wins again, this time at home against Grimsby. A Tonking, 3-0. Oldham came to town, the Wellins Derby, 2-0 victors. A really good start to the month, Ben? Yeah, I think the main thing, I think the, the overarching comment I'd make about December is that if we briefly time travel back to October, I think one of the, the main sort of things I was noticing was that Swindon were having a lot of injuries and, and bringing a lot of people um, off before half time. And I was sort of worried there'd be burnout. And I was remember being quite anxious about Christmas given there's a, a hectic schedule. But if you look at the December results, there's a, there's a few hiccups, but generally it's, it's pretty solid and, and there's only one real bad result um, away at Port Vale. So yeah, December definitely went much better than I certainly expected two months prior and, and started off perfectly with a with a, a big win at Grimsby, which is, although they're not the best team in League Two, uh, they're a bit of a footballing outpost and, you know, we never really look forward to those long trips up north and we always think that there could be drop points there. So when I was starting to think of maybe there could be tiredness in the squad or, or players getting um, quite injured, a nice comfortable win, uh, a horrible northern away ground was quite nice. Yeah, and this is when we were really expecting the Doyle run to come to an end, weren't we? This is where we, instead of just enjoying it, like we should have, this is where, even if we didn't put it on the record in the episode, we were going, it's got to end this week, hasn't it? <laughs> well, this this is a, a, a time where I can uh, blow my own trumpet, as I always like to do, and I remember uh, predicting he would uh, not score at Port Vale because that was the day he could have broken the record rather than levelled it, and, and lo and behold, that was, the, that was the day it fell. But yeah, definitely December was when the real Doyle uh, you know, m- momentum was, was going forward, and although it started in... In, in September, it was, it was nice to see that he was still keeping up that ridiculous record. And it's rare that Swindon get national press attention in terms of regular sort of Sky Sports um, viewings and, and 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 national columns and that sort of thing. It's probably only about Charlie Austin that has got that on the regular basis. But as you see, as I was saw from the press box quite a few times, it'd always be you know a generic ter- Telegraph journalist or someone that, that turned up just to hoping to get an Aaron Dole headline, and most of them left happy after seeing his name pop up normally in the first 10 minutes, but often they wouldn't have to wait long for for Dool to, 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 to score and they could start writing their report, given that, that they were only there to see Aaron Dool go on and normally he provided it. I still think, considering that he matched a record for a player in Harry Morris who left Swindon in 1933, it's so under... under it's, it's just not appreciated as much as it 
should be but you know i'm always more history leaning than anything but when you consider all the amazing forwards and goal scorers swindon have had during that time who couldn't get close or didn't match harry morris's records it's just a tremendous achievement yeah, I, I hesitate to say it will never happen again because records are always there to be broken. But like you said, the last time, or, or record indeed. But the, like you said, the last time it happened was in 1933 and that was quite a long time ago and before uh, many of our times. So so yeah, I'm sure someone uh, in the year 2055 or something will, will, will come again and score lots of goals. But certainly um, you know, once in a lifetime, once in a generation sort of thing that we don't see very often. It's only a handful of players that can... They can say that, and again, West Fodringham uh, levelled the clean sheet record, and that was dating back to Dopey about 20 years prior, and hasn't been done since. So it's always nice to see a player get that sort of record. And the the, uh, the, the regular tweets of uh, comparing Owen Doyle to Robert Lewandowski in terms of Europe's highest goal scorers never got boring. And yet, despite all of this fine form and and three points are plenty, my goodness, that point at Forest Green hurt. Yeah, it was disappointing. It's one of the games that stand out, even though I wasn't there, because uh, I was at a, a National League South game uh, watching Delwich Hamlet at Hungerford, and, and my mate who had data when I didn't uh, let me know that Forrest Green had scored in the last minute, and I thought he was winding me up, and, and sadly he wasn't. But yeah, I spent half my time with one eye on, on Delwich Hamlet versus Hungerford, and one eye uh, badgering my mate to let me know what was happening at the new lawn. But sadly, that, that ended badly. But again, to repeat myself, from, from August, Forrest Green away is not the worst point in the world and one you probably take but again it's disheartening that we've conceded um you know so late on and, and uh, a nice win that uh, i hesitate to say rival but one of those clubs you don't really like um you know is is disappointing we can get all three but again december's gone pretty well and a point of forest green is never the worst result in the world yeah and then the 4-0 home win against cambridge united which will be known as the day keshi showed what showed us what he could do yeah, a lovely hat trick from the from the Judas. Uh, no, I joke. Uh, it's a, a good day for Cashy Anderson when he's when he's rarely had um, days like that. And I think we had two hat tricks this season. We probably count on on one hand. We've had more than one hat trick over the course of the season. So so that was that point of view and, and give the Cashy Anderson got his day in the sun and and many players did get their day in the sun this season, which makes it quite a special season. There wasn't really any standout player. A lot of them were. And they're you know talking for player of the year and, and and various awards. So nice that lots of players got their got their big moment. And Cashy Anderson certainly had his on, on Boxing Day, which is a, a very happy Christmas for him and and Swindon fans and Owen Doyle as well, who got a you know a, a cheap uh, charity penalty off Michael Doughty to keep his scoring record up as well. The year ended with the loss against Port Vale, as you mentioned, two nil, and it it was just Swindon, regardless of who is in the squad regardless who was managing the club football just sometimes just brings these performances out and you just they're just so unwelcome yeah I think in seasons like this you, you kind of struggle at it though because you, you can't uh, you know win every game or, or get something from every game so although Port Vale is one of those where you look at and think oh yeah we should probably should be, be beating them they were on a surge towards the end of 2019 and heading towards the playoff places and they were in, they were in great form so as much as it was a sad way to end 2019 uh, you know, like I said, you can't win every game, so you just sort of shrug and move on and, and move on to the next one. And, and thankfully, as Connor will speak at, at length, I'm sure, uh, New Year's Day couldn't have gone any better. Yeah, well, December ended with Swindon still top of the league. But despite all of those wins, it was only by two points with Exeter following just behind. But the gap between first and the playoff places was getting 
bigger and then that brings us to January which will probably go down in the podcast history as one of the most stressful months that we had and for Swindon fans alike both on and off the pitch there were the standard losses um, to Newport and Colchester um, but there were wins over Plymouth over Crewe, over Port Vale and a draw at home to Bradford. And the reason why I'm just mentioning everything now, because I imagine, Connor, you're just going to sort of blurt out information because so much went on, especially behind the scenes. One thing that, like, I just can't believe is that that Plymouth away day is as we speak six months ago tomorrow. Um, So that that immediately dates when we've recorded the episode. But can you believe it's been six months since that? Nope. That, how does time work? I don't understand it. But yeah, like the the month of January was the crunch month of the season. I mean, if, even if you looked at it at the start of the season, you'd be like, oh God, that's a tough yeah. <laughs> run of fixtures. Um, so we had to play most of the teams that are in a round. Obviously, um, going into the month, Bradford were very much chasing automatics. Um, Plymouth were sort of a little bit behind, but they were kind of beginning to build up a bit of uh, a bit of steam. Um, Crew has obviously had been had handed us uh, a pretty bad defeat earlier in the season. were were hot on our heels, um, and uh, obviously we'd lost to the other three teams at the end of the month. Plus, I would include the first weekend of February in January, um, just because of uh, the fact that after that Exeter City game, things sort of kind of chilled out a little bit. Um, but it was up until that, like that first weekend of, of February, I was like, oh, we're really sort of needle hands to the pump kind of thing. Um, plus then, obviously, off the pitch, uh, everything went on. Um, <laughs> I I mean, there's there's not been that many more stressful months, I think, as a, as a Swindon fan. And I think generally for me, I, I like it when we sign good players and I like it when we're linked to different players, but I'm not particularly interested in the transfer sagas that get played out on social media and I was looking obviously refreshing my phone every day for a little bit of news because we were worried about Doyle and we were worried about Yates and uh, we were worried about maybe we need to bring in this player and this player um, obviously rumours for lots of different um, players including obviously I guess my, most famously Will Grigg uh, potentially replacing Doyle after he went back to um, um, to Bradford it was uh, it was not a great time and uh, yeah what Paul Callis couldn't do for my phone usage this season, uh, January 2020 definitely could. But yeah, I mean, if we go back to the football, because that's generally what I'm most interested in, um, that Plymouth game is probably one of the most complete away performances I've seen in my time supporting Swindon, just in, in terms of we were playing a really, really good team um, and uh, things didn't start particularly well in terms of just the fact that we fell behind fairly early on. But the, the team really rallied and showed a lot of character, I think, to come back from that. Um, a great Jarsimi goal, which kind of announced himself um, as one of our most important players, uh, especially for that sort of part of the season where Keshi had obviously been injured at the end of the Port Vale game at the end, end of December. Obviously, we didn't really see him again until the last couple of games back uh, before before Corona uh, ruined everything. Um, but the... That is because he managed to get on the score sheet. I think Jarsimi really did announce himself in that game. Um, and then I don't even know if I need to describe the moment in the second half uh, where, as we all know, um, Paul Caddis put um, a low ball across the box on a plate for Owen Doyle. And uh, he put the ball in the net and then landed in the crowd. And uh, oh, 
it was like the the only good moment of 2020 i have to say um so that that was great following it, that, that up then by the fact that it, it felt like it could be his final game for us just because the next game was the bradford game um which obviously then started well and ended badly with the uh the yates penalty at the start and the mccartan free kick from absolutely age uh, miles out um at the end um kind of was a little bit of a sucker punch and i remember reeling about that um for a little while um and then obviously was left reeling even more um, when when Doyle was recalled. Um, but that was that then meant it was like one of the sweetest moments of the season when we beat Crew so comprehensively um, with without obviously we, we weren't a one man team but without our key player um, in Doyle. Um, it, it was that part of the season where um, like. Uh, ben alluded to earlier with the Cambridge game of Keshi scoring a hat-trick. Um, a lot of these games, it was uh, w- the X show. So the, there was one player or two players that would really stand up and uh, would um, put in a performance that was really memorable for them. So um, obviously um, against Crew, um, obviously we had Hunt's goal. Um, arguably, we shouldn't be just talking about one goal, but um, I won't. I st- I'm never going to let that go. Um, then obviously uh, the, the the Yates goal with that clip ball forward from Hunt um, and uh, Rose's goal as well. All of them great moments. All of them great goals. Um, Rose's yeah, goal was, was particularly satisfying as well. Oh, just I mean the thing is when you when you see a ball kind of clatter on the post in the way that it did from that Jayasimi shot, you never expect to to get a goal. Um, and then just the way that he runs onto it, volleys it in. Um, usually someone skies that over if they're running it at that pace. Um, and then his celebrations were fantastic as well, weren't they? So it's, uh, oh my God. Yeah, fantastic. The the worst away day that I experienced um, during the season, it was Newport County. I was in great company for that game. We got sadly allocated terrible seats for it. We were really low down right by the corner flag, but it didn't matter where you were looking that day. Awful, awful game for Swindon. Yeah, I mean... There weren't really many positives to take from it, shall we say. But it was kind of one of those ones where I think we all expected it to end in the way that it did. So it was not not really a toys out the pram moment for anyone. It was kind of like a, uh, yeah, it happens. Let's go on to next week. That's how I remember it anyway. I might have been completely uh, out of kilter with the rest of <laughs> the Swindon Town fan base. But it was, it was one of those ones where I just feel like people kind of took it on the chin because we'd had such good form at that point and uh, we'd had so many good performances the real negatives were just the fact that then after that, Jerry Yates was obviously then recalled by, um, by Rotherham. And it was kind of, that was the worrying thing. But um, yeah, I, I, in terms of the actual, the actual game, I don't think that many people have reacted to it. Yeah. Well, over January, Doyle came back, Yates came back, Hallam Hope came in, uh, Romani, Edmonds Green came in and Admiral Musquay as well. And the, sea, the the month ends with the 3-0 win over Port Vale and then, you know, what was a standard loss to Colchester over the season. So after that Colchester loss, um, Swindon was still top of League Two, but Exeter was still there. Crew were there as well. So despite, you know, pretty decent form, we just couldn't shrug them off for the championship. 
Um, but again, there's a, there's a five-point buffer between us and Plymouth, who were in fourth at the time on 51 points. And then February comes along, which is such an important month. And, you know, the first game of that month was against Exeter City, and it was deemed to be winner wins a league, essentially, didn't it? Yeah, it definitely kind of felt like that. And definitely, I think there was a, a great mood around the place, given that given what had happened on deadline day and all the excitement that surrounded that. And Exeter was definitely surrounded by uh, many people in orange wigs and, and Doyle shirts and the occasional even Brazilian shirt around the, around the ground at that time. But you can never be um, too too dismissive of 13,000 turning up for a, a League 2 promotion clash. That was definitely massive. And Richie Wellinger's definitely a big fan of it. and mentions it whenever he gets a chance to. is one of his highlights of the season. The game itself wasn't great due to whichever storm we were having at that point, whether it was uh, uh, you know, Kira, Dennis or, or Brenda, whichever one was, was during that period. But it was certainly an important win. And as, as the league's gone in terms of PPG, uh, certainly a crucial one in, in probably in sorting the league out there. So, yeah, definitely one of the top three, if not top one, uh, key wins of the season, even if the game wasn't uh, too much to be fondly looked at. I find it remarkable that, you know, at this point, the virus the pandemic was being reported but we especially on this podcast we we never mentioned it until we didn't mention it until the season was suspended and yet here we are just soldiering on going up to Carlisle for a game getting a 1-1 draw Edmunds Green scoring there and then the Northampton game which was one of two games I know Swindon are doing well in the league where I am so nervous I cannot follow the game if I'm not there. So that's one of two games during this time, um, both in this month, which was the Northampton game. Actually, the other one was at the beginning of March where I tune in around about when full time should be, but then you read that there's still like seven minutes left. The Northampton game... I highlight is as the game that pretty much secures us as PPG um, champions. And I point to Leiden, the importance of Leiden's goal, but also a save that Bender makes at 1-0 as well. Just huge. Yeah, I think I'll start with the coronavirus <laughs> uh, beginning to take over the world at that point. I think you're right, about, about Christmas to to February, it's sort of like a, a background story where it wouldn't be the first thing on the news. It'd probably be like the third or fourth bill, and that's probably the the typical Western in English attitude. But thankfully, I'm not one in a position of power where I could have done something to to uh, to, to suspend it or halt it. But yeah, it's definitely an, an event that was happening, you know, over there somewhere. And then as soon as it got to Italy, it got a bit more serious. But it still wasn't England, so it was still pretty chilled in terms of in terms of this podcast. But yeah, in terms of the uh, the actual football, it was definitely a month to remember and, and, and Northampton especially and the opposite to you if I can't watch a game I have to you know scroll from uh, my phone and refresh every five seconds rather than leave it for two hours but Northampton uh, thankfully was on iFollow so I tuned into that from uh, my literal sick bed watched it in bed very ill very sniffly uh, but enjoyed it immensely as Swindon put in a, a pretty perfect away day performance and, and hit Northampton on the counter time and time again and scored the probably the most confusing goal of the season in terms of Owen Doyle putting the cross in and Jordan Lydon getting his one goal of the season with the header when he's about four foot tall. So, <laughs> yeah, a very a very confusing but um, but brilliant goal on the, the away end at Sixfields was just as iconic and just as jubilant as it, as it was you know, eight years prior. It's really weird because as we beat Grimsby 3-1 in the following game, it felt like 
the season was just wrapping up nicely, regardless of what was to happen in March. But there were still well over 10 games left. <laughs> well, it's probably about four in reality. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think you're right. To, to, towards um, you know the end of February and the beginning of March, it, it just felt like a, a question of when and not if, which is a very strange thing to think, given if you look at the table, and that had to be said by PPG being incredibly close, it did feel like a, a question of, of when and not if. And I know... People might say, well, we might, we might have fallen off in terms of might have gone from first to second or, or first to third. But certainly, although there were four teams battling out pretty intensely for the top three, it always did feel this one would be one of those three and they wouldn't be one of the teams that dropped out, even the, even though the blips at the likes of Colchester and Newport, they did actually feel like blips and not something we could be overly worried about. And, and generally, that was proved of winning the, the week after. So, yeah, although League Two... Um, at the top end was incredibly close. They never really felt um, any danger in terms of Swindon. So although coronavirus helped us out in terms of guaranteeing us the league, I think even if uh, the world did remain COVID-free, then we, should, we, we probably would have been okay, I think. Hello, I'm Stephen Bender, and you listen to the Loaf Stranger podcast. But yeah, as the month of February ended, it was so tight and I, I still maintain this feeling that I don't think we had any divine right to think that we would be champions elect at this at this spell because you know we're top at the end of the month on 66 points crew a second on 64 Exeter is still there on 63 and Plymouth are there on 62 so there's still so much that Swindon can do right and wrong um in the following month, which is March, Connor. But alas, there were only two games played in what should have been a very, very busy month. Yeah, I mean, um, I kind of agree pretty much what you said there. Um, In terms of getting the results on the pitch, I wasn't too concerned about Swindon, but those... um, we obviously had had a couple of games postponed in February due to the the weather. So the Scunthorpe game was moved from a Saturday in mid uh, February um, to um, the start of March, um, and then also um, the um, Mansfield game right at the end of February uh, was then uh, moved to the end of March. Um, we'd, we already had, I think, a couple of midweek games, and then because of the, the Salford game um, being uh, being moved backwards um, because of uh, them being in the EFL trophy final, I think it was. Um, There was a real big pileup where we were pretty much playing Tuesday, Saturday for, I guess, three or four weeks, which given how things had gone throughout Christmas where we had lost a lot of players to injury, I was kind of a little bit apprehensive about. So it wasn't so much the performance side of things that I was worried about, but it was uh, the fixture build-up. And uh, we'd kind of gone from being one game ahead and having the points on the board rather than the game in hand to then, uh, because of those two postponements, we were a game behind and didn't have the points on the board. So um, although we were top or joint top um, towards the end, um, I was I was definitely apprehensive. Um, going towards uh, that end of the season, um, even though I think we probably would have uh, ridden out and done well because uh, we'd, we'd played a lot of our tough games and uh, the the running looked fairly kind for us and a bit more difficult for the other teams. So, um, yeah, it was uh, definitely not a foregone conclusion, but I, I would have been quite confident, I think. Um, but, you know, life of a Swindon fan, um, you can't ever count your chickens before their eggs or they've hatched or whatever it is. (laughs) 
Well, in March, Town win 2-0 against Scunthorpe United at home. Owen Doyle scoring his only two goals today as a permanent Swindon player, but he was contributing so much, um, as Ben mentioned, the assist for the Leiden goal. And then we finished the season with a 2-0 home loss against Forest Green, which is a shame because a lot of people turned up. And then that was it. And it's really sort of annoying that the season ended on a loss to a, you know, inverted commas, rival. Um, and then the, the, the following months now, so April, May and June, just become the most, not stressful, but the most annoying two and a half months of silence and prolonging of of decision-making and a lot of papers and journalists reporting whether it would be... PPG weighted or unweighted or if indeed the season would be voided Ben which was my biggest which was my biggest fear at the time that all of the work every single team had put into the uh, into the division other than maybe Stevenage um, were going to get punished for something beyond their control and this is where we're all going to talk about this but Ben to start with it just took so long to make a decision that we all knew was going to happen from the start, right? Yeah, I think it was delayed, but I think generally the EFL did quite well. I think there's, there's some notes from some clubs with the EFL didn't quite do what they wanted, but you're always going to get that sort of thing. But generally they did what they could. They consulted the clubs and tried to get a, a decent decision uh, before they before they voted and, and that sort of thing. But I, th- I think the main thing was that, you know, uh, voiding was never really the question. Even the leagues that have stopped and not come back have, have found a decent solution like France kind of half voided and half didn't where they they, they promoted some uh, sorry uh, gave PSG the league and some champions but they ended relegation that sort of thing so there's definitely uh, some uh, leagues where they did they did a, a version of voiding but I don't think League 2 was ever in, in any doubt given the season was so deep into it I don't think there's any um, doubt that they were going to find a way to to finish the league and thankfully they did um, for Swindon's benefit on PPG and, and generally most of the leagues in England are pretty satisfied with how the EFL have conducted themselves and, and they did quite well in, in doing it even if it did take um, a bit of a while in getting there. Yeah, says the champions of the division. Um, we're very, <laughs> very happy but both the PPGs would have gone in Swindon's favour as far as the title was concerned. Both weighted and unweighted favoured Swindon over Crew Crew missing out on what would have been their first ever Football League title and Plymouth getting on third. So top was Swindon on 69 points, but with a points per game average of 1.92. Crew runners up 69 points as well um, on 1.86. And then Plymouth making that third automatic spot with 68 points with a PPG of 1.84. Making the playoffs with Cheltenham Town, who will probably feel the most aggrieved because they were really kicking on and finding some form. Exeter City were punished essentially for one bad month in a, in a, in a whole season. Colchester United, who were of course our bogey side that year, and Northampton Town squeezed in, perhaps because of a dodgy decision at the county ground. I couldn't possibly comment, but they made it in in the place of Port Vale, who got a lot of praise at that time because they didn't kick up a stink the stink that we saw in League One, for example. Bradford also got plaudits, but who are we kidding? They weren't going up this year. Connor it was the right decision, but my goodness, 
Northampton will be consider themselves very lucky. Uh, potentially. I mean, they were in good form anyway. So I think there was every chance that they were going to finish in the playoffs as it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you finish seventh in the regular season um, and then go up uh, through the playoffs, then I guess you are luckier than if you're like the fourth place team who probably has deserved the promotion a little bit more over the course of um, 37 games or whatever it was. Um so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess they were lucky, but maybe only slightly more lucky than a usual outside shot of the playoff kind of team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously we have no idea how the final nine, ten games would have gone for each of the teams. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say that they're, they're, they're too lucky because uh, I think they do they did probably deserve their um, uh, their promotion in a way. Um, and it's kind of, I'm sad. When, when I look at the the scenes from Wembley last night. I know the fans weren't there, so it would have been different if we were in that position for us. But um, there's that, you can see the moment where they actually got promoted on the pitch um, and the players properly celebrating. Whereas um, the the kind of sad thing about our season is that we've been much better than all of those teams. But uh, there's not, I, I, I don't know, I haven't really felt release in the fact that we've won it um, in the same way as maybe there was a few years ago when we won it under the Canio. So um, it was nice when things were announced and uh, had a few sort of uh, celebratory uh, evenings, um, sort of while, while still in lockdown, obviously. Um, but yeah, I kind of I, I was looking at the uh, the scenes of uh, the players celebrating at the final whistle and lifting the trophy, um, and did feel a little bit jealous uh, that they did have that. Yeah, I think what you raise there is a very important point. I've got to be honest. I have tried my best to enjoy this like a normal season, you know, in terms of the Football League, because I don't want to discredit our Southern League uh, victories, uh, titles, but our only, you know, only our fourth win, you know, title in Football League history. And of course, we're one of the poor buggers along with Coventry City that don't get to enjoy the moments. And, you know, Coventry have been starved of, of a title for God knows how long as well, Ben. Ben, did you enjoy this to the maximum? Uh, yeah, I think it was walking down in the sense that it had been a kind of a long time coming. I know there were some nice scenes on social media and it was it was a good evening when that was confirmed. But I think we all kind of quietly knew it was coming. It was just a case of waiting and waiting for a, an EFL statement. But there wasn't too much... Um, dealt in there but I think although there could be some bitterness and resentment from the rest of League 2 that, that we rewarded the league I think we can put all our bias aside and say that winning the league on point six of a point due to a global pandemic is the correct and uh, just way to win any title that is a mad League 1 go over more than one episode and it's been very happy it's been very happy clappy we've celebrated what has been a really memorable season but there's a lot of uncertainty we can't deny it we can't ignore it in may lee power went on talk sport talking about football generally and he used some really powerful excuse the uh, the pun there quotes where he's taught he's using terminology like financially crippled uh, clubs are hurting and they're in trouble it's critical before september several clubs will go under you know, he showed sympathy to the FA and the EFL, saying that nobody has solutions. Swindon themselves took a big took a big risk in January, not envisaging that the season would end, and then no idea when the season would restart, whether it be the current one or the next one. 
salary caps were being talked. It, it was really, really bleak, really, what he was saying. It was very factual. It was sobering, you know, that we're here stressing about whether Swindon would get the trophy or not. But, you know, owners of football clubs were coming out and saying, well, you know, who says that the, Swind- that the football clubs will exist by the time the next season starts? And then the very next day, it's it's discovered that Lee Power had been to court and I didn't do a bonus episode for this really because I really wanted the outcome to be announced definitively before we could really dissect it and you know months on we still don't know and I'm not an expert legally but it just seemed like such a mess with Michael Standing the the football agent saying one thing and this this suggestion that the England international Gareth Barry had put £800,000 into the club and whether that was legal or not, given the fact that he was playing professionally at the time. And Lee Powell suggested that to try and get him off of the issue with Michael Standing, which seemed to make it even more unclear. And then it was at the back pages of the tabloid newspapers, probably because there was no football happening at that time. And now it's disappeared again. And you just know once some sort of good feeling's going to start coming in because new signings are going to arrive, it's going to come back again. There's also, you know, the issues with Clem Morphuni, with his shares, this takeover from America, from America. For a couple of days, it just seemed like such a mess. Ben, sum it up in a sentence. <laughs> I'd really rather not. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's very difficult too and I think probably the, the best summing up you can do is that when things are, are too good to be true at Swindon they very often are and so it proved that we weren't even guaranteed the league title yet and already this has come out just as the season uh, was ended so see, so yeah, I'm not going to sit here and talk about the court uh, case or the, the the pending court case in detail or the or the, the situation in detail because I'm not an expert I'm not going to pretend to <laughs> because uh, in, fear, in fear of uh, saying something libelous or, or, or something like that but uh, yeah, so I think it's probably best to wait for whatever happens in the court case and we can talk about it properly. But certainly it was a dark cloud over the club for a couple of days and could well be in the future as well. So, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know the answers or how it's going to go. But certainly uh, it was a very bleak time, especially when we should have been celebrating uh, what was an impending league title. But uh, it has gone back to the background for now. But no doubt it'll rear its ugly head again um, in the near future. And that will be a day to dread, but, but one that we should... Um, look- in a backwards way, look forward to it so we can have it uh, behind us. But it's, it can be a uh, very painful during the time. Colin, let's put the court situation to the side because I think it's only fair on us that we we wait to see what the what the court deems appropriate um, because it just seemed like a train wreck. It it wasn't a good look for anybody involved in that. Lee Power, uh, Michael Standing, Gareth Barry, none of them came out looking like superstars. And it's really sort of worrying as a Swindon fan to have that uncertainty yet again rear its ugly head. But I think what I want to sort of lean towards now is really, are you worried about the fact that Football isn't making money at the moment in League One and League Two, and teams like Swindon, who are very quiet during this time, may suffer to degrees that I don't really want to think about. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think we have to be worried um, because, as well, 
um, it's not just about Swindon. It's about all of the lower league clubs in 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 in, in England and uh, uh, also in the non-league clubs. Um, I think the health of Swindon is partly predicated on the health of the game as a whole. And uh, if we lose um, a handful of clubs or even greater numbers, um, then that's clubs that we've got um, shared history with. That's clubs that um, we've got. Um, that, that that make the game and the level of the entertainment that we have kind of what it is. So um, obviously I'm worried about Swindon as well, just in terms of just because of the pandemic, even if you ignored the, the court uh, papers and everything like that, um, which I'm, I'm trying not to think about because like uh, Ben has also said, uh, I'm no expert in, uh, I don't know how to read legal papers. Um, don't want to make myself... Uh, look any less intelligent than I already do uh, with my ramblings on these podcasts. Um, and uh, I know that there'll be people that have more of an understanding that uh, would be listening to this anyway. And uh, I don't want to seem silly in front of them. Um, but uh, in, in terms of just the impact of the pandemic on the game as a whole, um, I think we've seen that it will have an, uh, an impact even at the highest level. Um, I mean, if you look at as a, as a European wide level, um, then for example, the Bundesliga's TV contract um, was up for renewal um, and because of the pandemic, the amount of money that they're getting has dropped slightly and that was seen as a good thing by the league um, because they could have lost a lot more. Um, so it looks like potentially the whole system might contract a little bit. We might be going for a weird time where there's some teams that might profit from it. So like maybe like a Chelsea, which in Ben's case might be a good thing where they have got that benefactor that's going to be able to kind of shelter them through potentially um, reducing income um, over the, over the coming months, maybe even coming years um, and uh, still bring in sort of top level quality um, to the squad. Uh, that might be good. But then as you filter down through the leagues, that's not going to happen because the League One, League Two, non-league um, budgets are so um, dependent on that match day income. Until we've got that, I, I I, don't know. Like Personally, I kind of can't see how there can be a game without the fans there. Um, potentially, if there's um, a way of um, sort of getting some kind of money paid uh, by the authorities to sort of get us through to a time when people can get back into stadiums, then that would be one way, but it's not a very sustainable way of doing it. So um, I worry for Swindon, obviously, we don't know the information because the uh, it, it's not clear how much money there actually is to, to pay for things, exactly what the outgoings are, how long that we could last. Um, but what I worry about probably more generally um, is that we, we almost certainly will lose um, some clubs, even if it's a club like Macclesfield that for all intents and purposes probably would have been lost uh, before the pandemic and obviously we saw Berry um, and we, we nearly lost Bolton as well it is a sad day when when those clubs uh, do go because like I said earlier you do have that sort of shared uh, playing history of the clubs and uh, when you play uh, a, diff- a different team each weekend um, just thinking of a random club for example from uh, League One but if we were to play uh, I don't know uh, who plays in League One uh, Portsmouth for example um, bad example because they might get promoted, but we'll, we'll take it. But it, as a Swindon fan, you're then going to think back through um, the the games that we had against Portsmouth in the past. And for example, if Berry never come back up to football league level again, um, you might think about it every, every so often. But that's like, for all intents and purposes, a bit of history that's lost, or maybe not lost, but like sidelined a little bit. And uh, that would be a sad thing. Um, so 
I just hope that the system as a whole can get through. Um, and I, that's probably the main thing I'm worried about. But um, yeah, it, it's it's a worrying time. Um, and I, I hope that whatever happens, we, we lose as few clubs as possible. And uh, definitely that Swindon aren't one of those clubs. What a bleak way to end the title winning um, season that was the 2019-2020. But these are facts. Chaps, thank you very much. Can I just say, uh, I think Connor summed up the situation really well there and really succinctly, but I'd most likely uh, to congratulate him on his world-class uh, slide dig at me. So well done, Connor. Take a bow on that one. What was the slide dig? Uh, I think you said clubs like Chelsea might profit, which could be good news for me. So, uh, so yeah. Well, oh, no, it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a positive <laughs> thing. I, I, was, I was thinking that you will uh, be happy that they're good because I think it it's, one, it's just a matter of life isn't it that like in any situation you get winners and losers and just not Chelsea's fault that they've got (laughs) an owner I'm going to leave you two to fight this out but I'm going somewhere else (laughs) goodbye bye The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC supporters club The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.